Welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch The Great Muppet Caper two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And today we have a very special return guest who we are always thrilled to have with us back from next week. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Eric Adams from The AV Club. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me again. Of course. Uh, and today we are talking about minutes 55 and 56 of The Great Muppet Caper, in which uh, Kermit sits on a park bench and Peter Falk knows every detail of his story. Or <laughs> thinks he does. Um, so we do open with Kermit sitting on this park bench in front of a, a duck pond. He's holding Piggy's glass slipper from the, the previous, uh, well, or the scene before last. Uh, that she left behind at the Dubonnet Club, and he's just looking forlorn. Uh, before we get into the uh, the next celebrity cameo that happens, though, a bearded man and his daughter walk by. Uh, she says, look, Dad, it's a bear. And he says, no, Christine, that's a frog. Bears wear hats. <laughs> the greatest joke ever told on <laughs> screen. <laughs> I, I, it's perfect. I agree. <laughs> It, it is a great joke. Yes, um, it's got it's got so many components of great uh, movie joke telling. It's a callback. It's a weird juxtaposition. Jerry <laughs> Nelson reads it so beautifully, dryly. It's oh gosh, there's just so much packed. It's so and it's so compact. It's just like two lines. It's two lines, <laughs> and it's not even Muppets. Like it's yeah. just these random one shot characters. but a Um, but a muppet performer so like i guess i guess i'm still justified in being so excited about it as a muppet joke yes as i was saying that just now i was like well can i really say that my favorite joke from this movie my favorite muppet movie the funniest muppet movie is told by a human (laughs) but uh, i I, i'll I'll give it i'll give it uh, that jerry nelson is himself part Muppet, so... Right, well, that's the thing. Like, not not one minute ago, we heard him talking about people dancing up and down on one leg out here. <laughs> you know, I mean... It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's all Jerry, it's all great. Yeah, you know? so yes, this is, of course, uh, Muppet performer Jerry Nelson. Um, he As the dad. Uh, Anthony, what number of Muppet performer cameo does this bring us up to? In this movie, this In is... This well, movie. let's... Four, right? Because it was Richard Hunt, Kathy Mullen, Jim Henson... And now Jerry. Oh, and Frank Oz in the newsroom. Oh, Frank Oz in the newsroom. So yeah, so five. five. And I think this, so this is, is the last one. I believe so. Uh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, if you're if you're marking these off, this is number five. Sa- Sadly, Dave Goals doesn't show up. Yeah, of, I was just of, the, of the main Muppet Show performers, he's the only one. Yeah. Why isn't Big he? Big five. Here? Yeah, I don't know. Um, the the daughter is actually Jerry Nelson's real life daughter. Her name is actually Christine. Um. She was an aspiring actor, and I I don't actually recall where we first heard about this, but uh, Jim Henson gave her a speaking role in this movie, so she was able to get her actor's union card. Was that in the the memoir that her mom wrote? I think it was, yeah. So, um, sadly, Christine Nelson had cystic fibrosis, and she died only a year after this movie came out. She was only 21 or 22. But her mother, uh, Jackie Gordon, wrote a book about 
her life called Give Me One Wish. That's probably where that story came from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Jerry Nelson mentioned her also in a song that he wrote called Eye of the Storm, which is on his album Truro Daydreams. Have you guys both heard that? I've heard it. I have not. It's really good. It's You can find the digital album on Amazon and various other places, but... Um, yeah, so this is this is Jerry Nelson on screen with his real life daughter, so which is cool. just another like nice layer of it. It's just like this nice sweet moment shared between uh, a father and daughter uh, doing like super super corny vaudevillian kind of humor, but yeah. it just it just kills. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. I think it does add a lot to it when you know who that is. Um, well, but uh, like also, it's so he. He addresses her as Christine. Right. So is she playing herself? And does that mean he is also playing himself? Oh, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought like, about that. So is this and, just Jerry Nelson hanging out to this pond? Well, like, and also, is that why he's an expert on the difference between bears and frogs? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's been working with them all those years. <laughs> Could be. Uh, I like this. I like this more and more. <laughs> and it makes sense because this is one of the this is one of the scenes where they really kind of break down the reality of the movie. Like the in in the Peter Fox stuff, uh, it's not like Kermit doesn't have that confrontation with him in these yeah. two minutes, but like it's it's leading to that. We'll leave that to our next episode and uh, my successor uh, in the guest's chair. <laughs> sure, right? But yeah, then uh, the joke itself. It is a hilarious joke. Um, if you really think about it, so okay, bears wear hats. Yes, Fozzie always wears a hat. That's true. But in this movie, they're supposed to be identical. You know, which gets into the whole question of like, if they're identical, are they both bears or both frogs? Or... And then <laughs> Ryan, there's the fact that we've seen Ryan. Kermit. Hold on, I'm not bears finished. There's the fact that we've seen Kermit wear two different hats in this movie. So frogs do wear hats. <laughs> not just bears. Frogs wear hats too. Yeah, but doesn't that just make it funnier? Yes. That makes it much funnier. <laughs> this is a great joke. And it also goes back to the very first so scene good. in the newsroom when Mr. Harkunian is, is unable to tell the or it can't see the similarity, and then Fozzie takes off his hat and right. they do that. They do that take to him, and it's like, oh yeah, okay, I can see the resemblance. So then this is setting up the expectation that you could <laughs> potentially confuse a frog and a bear based on their <laughs> headwear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. and you you were on the show for that one too, right? I was, yeah. So yeah, I, so I you're like you're like up. the hat guy for this, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you know they say jokes become less funny when you try to explain them, but this is the rare joke that I think has just become funnier as we <laughs> tried and failed to explain it. Well, right. you know, you know what they say about uh, trying to explain a joke? It's like poking a dead frog, which ah. I feel like is a little disrespectful for this particular podcast. But. Yeah. Yeah. And you also don't want to poke a bear. <laughs> well, you know, if it's not wearing a hat, then right. it's a frog. <laughs> then, it's, then it's fine. <laughs> well, uh, you know what they say? You can't wear a hat and poke a dead frog at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's you can't sit on a bench and cradle a glass slipper at the same time. <laughs> okay. All right. So... <laughs> I think we've exhausted uh, everything there is to say about 
that one joke now that we've talked about it for 10 minutes. Um, that brings us to uh, this cameo guest star uh, as a schlubby guy approaches. Wait, what? Peter Falk? A schlubby guy? <laughs> yes. Get out Believe of it or not. Well, so here's the thing. In the script, his character is referred to as disheveled gentleman. <laughs> so, yes, I get, maybe they just immediately thought of Peter Falk. Um, he sits on the bench next to Kermit. But who is oh. Peter Falk? Yeah, who is Peter Falk? Um, he's, he's best known as TV's Columbo, of yes. course, a famous TV detective from the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the, the 2000s. Like, they right, kept making was- Columbo. Movies for yeah, it was it was briefly a TV series, right? And then it was just dozens of TV movies after that. Well, well, it was a series for like six years. Okay, in the seven, oh, okay. yeah, but it was movie length. It was part of the NBC murder mystery mo- movie. Oh, right. So okay. it was that McMillan and wife, Cloud. You know, they, they were all movie length, but they were on like once every three weeks. Or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Um. So he's Columbo, but I think he's more famous among people like our age, like mid thirties, um, as the grandpa in the Princess Bride. Yeah. Oh, right. I think I think a lot of people who watch this movie now are like, "Oh, that's the grandpa from The Princess Bride." You know? Yeah, he's great in that. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, he was in a bunch of stuff. He's in yeah. like Mikey Murder and Nikki, by Death. The In-Laws. Yeah, the, yeah Murder by Death in-laws and The Cheap classic. Detective. I, I don't know The Cheap Detective, but um he's in a bunch of John Cassavetes movies like for the for the like serious cinema fans. You know, he's in A Woman Under the Influence, he's in Husbands. So he did all kinds of work. He's not Yeah just a TV detective. He's not just like a comedy guy or something. He did right. he, comedy and drama. And- he was also in wings of desire where if I remember right, he plays himself and it turns out that he's that's, actually, that's right. he's actually an angel who's been sent to earth. Am I getting that right? Yeah. He's also Corky Romano's dad. <laughs> His most important <laughs> role. <laughs> And he appeared in The Muppets Go Hollywood, where he was one of the celebrity guests at the Muppets' big uh, Hollywood party at the Coconut Grove. And we did a podcast episode about that special that you should go back and listen to if you haven't heard it yet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a special that we didn't love, but we had fun talking about it. Yeah, that's right. I I think it's the worst. <laughs> Anthony hates it. <laughs> I think it's probably the worst thing the Muppets did while Jim Henson was alive. <laughs> oh wow! Well, or very very nearly. I mean, it's it's real bad. It's pretty bad, but uh, that's not Peter Fox's fault. No. Um, and here's something interesting. He is actually not listed as one of the cameo guest stars in the end credits of this movie. It says John Cleese, Jack Warden, Robert Morley, and Peter Usinoff, but he's uncredited. Interesting. I, I was wondering if we knew why. I so don't I went know to, why. I went to go see if there was a Jim's Red Book article about Peter Falk in this movie, and there is. But basically all it says is that in a memo dated September 8th, 1980, Jim Henson says that Falk was on set and, quote, he's a delight to work with. Yeah. There's not <laughs> so, much, not much so, dirt yeah. there. I kind of thought there would be – because as far as I know, he's the only uncredited guest star in a Muppet movie, right? Hmm. Well, how many other cameo guest stars in those movies would have also been under contract for a television series at the time? Like, is it possible that that was the conflict? Like, he was under exclusive contract with NBC while Columbo was on? 
Yeah, uh, although like Columbo, the series was over by this time. I mean, no, oh, it was, it was? Just, okay. it was it was just the yeah, movies by it, now? yeah, and ended in like seventy seven or seventy eight. Yeah, ah. so it would just be TV movies by this time. Yeah, yeah, so, I have no idea. I don't know. But um, this is also the uh, second consecutive Muppet movie to have a famous TV detective in a cameo because Telly Savalas was in the Muppet. <laughs> That's true. But sadly, that tradition did not was not continued. <laughs> no, they should. Who would they have gotten in 1984 for the Muppets Take Manhattan? Stacy uh, Keach as Mike Hammer. <laughs> there you go. That would have been fun to see. Uh, Don Don Johnson and uh, Don Johnson, yeah, Phil Michael Thomas. That totally. would have been great. Yeah, that yeah. would have probably dated the movie uh, even more, but it would have been worth it. Miss Piggy's hair dates that movie, my man. Exactly. <laughs> there, there are a couple things. Um, so the disheveled gentleman asks Kermit how he's doing. Kermit says, "It's a long story." Uh, the the guy Peter Fox says, "A familiar one, I bet." Kermit agrees, and then uh, Peter Falk, uh tells Kermit that he knows his whole story. Just looking at him holding that shoe, he he knows everything about it. Um, so he starts to to weave this this whole tale that he is convinced is what actually happened to Kermit that brought him to this point looking sad on this bench holding this glass slipper. Um, I actually transcribed the whole thing. I don't think we need to read it all out loud. <laughs> no. Um, I just do want to say my favorite line delivery of, of Peter Falks in this, which is, and they're charging less. They're yeah. getting the stuff out faster because they got more help. <laughs> <laughs> right. So basically the story he, he tells is he, he thinks that uh, Kermit and his brother-in-law, Bernie, opened a dry cleaning establishment. <laughs> and then uh, they couldn't keep up with the competition. And then Bernie uh, joined the circus and, and left Kermit to, to you know, with, with the whole mess. And uh, then he had to sell the business to <laughs> his competitor. And he... <laughs> Yeah, actually, he we, this this clip cuts off, so we actually don't hear the the end of Peter Fox's story. It doesn't seem like a very sound business plan on the part of the competitor, unless they're buying them out and like turning the building around. But it seems it seems like these two businesses are located fairly close to one another. He says um, they're just down the street. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like. If they're buying that business, it's possible they're going to cannibalize the business that they already have, which is already running better than the business that went out of business. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's not that much demand for dry cleaning. Although I, I, bet, I bet there was more in 1981. You think people dry cleaned their clothes more often? I think people wore suits to work more often. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Like, I guess I've I've seen, I've definitely seen drugstores within like several drugstores within blocks of each other and uh, coffee shops. But yeah, there are not a lot of businesses where you can own two locations just down the street from each other and, and make it work. Thank you everyone for coming out to our uh, microeconomics yes, seminar. This has been <laughs> Muppet planet money. <laughs> yeah. So it's just this ridiculous story. And, uh, Peter Falk talks for about 75% of this particular two-minute clip. <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to have nearly as much to say about it as we do about bears wear hats. <laughs> no, that's the thing, because you just kind of sit there and take it all in. Um, it's similar somewhat, I think, to the John Cleese scene in that it's sort of incomprehensible to kids. Like, I don't 
think I had any idea what to make of this when I watched this as a kid. But when I watch it now, I think it's hilarious. Especially because it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> it's, it's just I, this bizarre digression in the middle of the movie. And it's so it's so detailed. Like Yeah. <laughs> so they throw so many specifics into this story that like they give the brother a name that the brother runs away with the circus that he <laughs> yeah. can he can pinpoint exactly what the other dry cleaner is doing better than Kermit's dry cleaner. <laughs> yes. And then he he even uh quotes what his wife is saying which is listen you care more about this lousy business than you care about me. <laughs> oh, we forgot about the delinquent kids too. Yes, the kids turn into juvenile delinquents. Yeah, Kermit's kids, I forgot about them. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. It makes uh, me wonder if this is that guy's story. Like did he get so down and out because this exact thing happened to him? Yeah, I I think that's likely although in the next clip which we'll we'll get to next week but he does uh start to suggest another story but i guess that could be another thing that happened to him also <laughs> i mean this guy looks like he's lived yeah he's had some bad luck some hard times um i i will say we talked or we talked earlier about how john cleese takes over the movie for his part right and we talked about steve martin and mel brooks doing the same thing and so Peter Falk is the fourth one. And there's something about it that feels different than those other three. And I can't quite put my finger on what well, that the is. the energy is very different. I mean, I guess John Cleese was pretty low-key in his scene, as we mentioned. But this is just Peter Falk talking. Right. Kerm- I, I think it's probably that Kermit's there and doesn't really do anything. Yeah, there's no <laughs> action. Yeah, yeah. Like, Nothing Kermit is interacts with, with Steve Martin and Piggy does. And... They interact with Mel Brooks, you know, too. Like, whatever. This is yeah. This is just a monologue from a character who's not a Muppet and is not in the movie otherwise. Exactly. <laughs> and Kermit is just very politely listening. Like, it takes him a while to summon the strength to interrupt him. And, in fact, it doesn't even happen in the two minutes that we're discussing right, right now. Right. So, yeah, th- this has to be one of the few characters in movie history who does not actually serve any purpose to the plot or it does not move anything forward but he's still very funny <laughs> um we should also mention he the bar, the brother-in-law's name is bernie which is probably yet another muppet reference to bernie brillstein who was oh, yeah. jim henson's agent yeah they um, love they love talking about that guy bernie <laughs> yeah usually bernie is the name of fictional agents within muppet productions right well i mean it's dom delawise's name in the muppet movie <laughs> Bernie the agent, yeah. Bernie the agent, yeah. Yeah, and there are scenes in in Muppet stuff where uh, Piggy will call her agent Bernie. So I wonder if the the energy is different because of the sort of you know your your high status, low status character uh, binary. Where like in those three other examples, like Steve Martin, Mel Brooks, John Cleese, all have the high status role in those scenes. In this scene, Falk is definitely steamrolling Kermit, but he's not necessarily the high status character. Like he's just mm. he's you know he's uh, he's unwanted. You know he's interrupting, and yeah, you can't get true. a word in edgewise. You think, but he's you think- not necessarily dominating in a way that those three do because like they've got one up on the Muppets. 
That's right. Steve Martin is carrying the finest wine of Idaho. Yes. <laughs> Mel Brooks has a machine that'll scrabble your brain. <laughs> and John Cleese, it's his house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, so you're right. This The disheveled gentleman is trying to get Kermit's attention. Kermit doesn't want it. You know, doesn't want to give him his attention. But yeah, yeah those other three, the Muppets can't help but pay attention to them. It's too bad that the, the Jim's Red Book entry on uh, the scene is so so vague because i would want i i am curious to know like how much of this was written in the script and you know if any of it was uh ad-libbed because uh, it does feel very off the dome from peter well, falk uh in the the july 22nd 1980 draft of the screenplay this speech is here and it's mostly the same they i don't know i would imagine they probably changed a few things here and there maybe the day of just to kind of make sure that it was that the pacing was just right. Um, but the, 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 most of the details are there. All right. Yeah. The, but here's the thing. Kermit's actual story, I would say is more interesting than what this guy is suggesting. His real story is he got a job as a reporter. He immediately failed to report a story. He came to England to catch a jewel thief. He fell in love with a fashion designer who turned out to be a pig pretending to be the fashion designer. And then there was another robbery and she ran away from him, leaving the shoe behind. That's a more interesting story. Okay. But if they made the movie with Kermit and his brother-in-law, Bernie, (laughs) yeah, Who would you cast to play Kermit's brother-in-law, Bernie? Um, are you going to say Peter Falk? No, that actually would be good. I was just going <laughs> to say Fozzie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Fozzie as Bernie. They've already yeah. got that. They've 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 got experience playing yeah, brothers. Yeah, I like it. All right. Um, I think that's all I have on these two minutes. Uh, do either of you have anything else, Eric? Starting with you. Uh, I do not. All right, Anthony. I do not either. Okay. In that case, we'll wrap things up. Listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet and on Facebook, Twitter, and all of those things. You can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe, and Anthony is on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. And Eric, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. I'm Eric M. Adams, uh, and they can read my writing about the Muppets and television and a whole spectrum of pop culture topics at avclub.com. Everybody should definitely seek that out. And as we mentioned last week, he's written a couple things about the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, so you should read those. And if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find podcasts, and tell all your friends about the show, and join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. See you later! Bears wear hats. Thank you.